Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are so full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. We're going to come strong with this edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7, but... Man, not only is it not a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz, but boys, we got a lot to sort through this week as Texas loses to Iowa State 23-21, getting ready to face a 9-1 Baylor team. Yes, mm. go back to August and ask yourself, hey, would the you probably think the records for these two teams would be reversed going into this game. But they're not. Baylor's the nine and one team ranked in the top twenty five. Texas is six and four and trying to figure out what bowl they're going to. Uh yeah, it's just kind of where we are. We'll talk big picture and all kinds of stuff here on this week's show. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? One day we'll get to where Matt can have his plethora of drops back. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah, it'd be nice. That other building, though, I don't know if we're going back there. <laughs> no, nobody. No, you're not so, allowed. No. Uh, we might have to just allowed, steal actually. a hard drive. Like Jeff this. is allowed, but none yeah. of, not me and you. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I'm allowed, I'm going to choose not to, uh, not to go in there. <laughs> We've got a few spies. Might be able to get it in. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, um, a man who who was in that building across the way, but is here now at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9 where you can hear him each and every week down the broadcast from 1 to 3. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. As he said, being in the CFL, it's like being in the porn industry of football. So he got himself <laughs> back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres. Or earn that degree when he gets that T ring back in his possession. I'll make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card catering member of DBU. And when you get that All American honor recognized by the NCAA, you get that black card. Number twenty one in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod twenty three twenty one. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rod. You and I picked an Iowa State victory last week. Matt, yeah. I think you had Texas winning a very close game. Yep, I flipped. I almost yeah. had Iowa State, then I changed my mind because I thought Texas the short yards, line of scrimmage type stuff would go Texas's way. Did Ooh, didn't go their way. I did not. I, and uh, you know, on the Horns pregame show, I joined Bucky Godbolt and Chad Hastings as I do every game day, two hours before kickoff. And I actually changed my pick because oh, nice. after the show, I. It, and I'll I'll get back to why I regret doing that, not just the loss. <laughs> yeah. But I, I changed my pick because I'm thinking, you know, 
This is the kind of game that Tom Herman's track record suggests he wins, right? Mm -hmm. You're an underdog on the road. You're going against this Iowa State defense, which we all know, we all said was good, an Iowa State team that was better than their 5-4 and four record suggested, which I told people, people were like, oh, you are what your record says you are. <laughs> no, you're not. Go ahead and look at yeah. Iowa State's losses a yeah, little bit legit. closer. You can play me in fantasy if you think that way. I'll be down. <laughs> um, so all that said, I was like, you know, this is a game Texas typically wins. And almost immediately as I said that, Rod, I regretted it because I remember why I made the Iowa State pick in the first place. Mm. And my rationale for making the pick was I don't think Texas can play the type of clean game they need to over four quarters to win that game. And, man, I wish I was wrong. I really do. But you look at whether it's penalties, whether it's one blown assignment on a 75-yard touchdown pass, I don't know if we've got enough time in this show to talk about the offense, but in no way, shape, or form was that game as clean as Texas needed to play to win it. Um, yeah, but I will say the offense deserves most of the blame because Absolutely. the defense, I when you hold a team in the Big 12 to 23 points in, in the Big 12, that is a game Texas, not everybody, but Texas should win. You hold somebody, I think I looked, I, me and Matt were talking about it. Matt Campbell is now – Four and fourteen after that game, when he scores twenty four points or less, so uh, he doesn't win a lot when right. he's on when he doesn't score a lot of points because he's in the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve is all all about scoring. It's all about points. So the fact that Todd Orlando, I I think did his job. Todd Orlando, we'll we'll get to him later, but he doesn't deserve the criticism this week. He's been getting a lot of it the last few weeks. He doesn't deserve it this week. He needs to go have a steak, go hang out with wifey, have a good time, and enjoy himself. Uh, he earned his money this week. This week, Tom Herman deserves all the criticism. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a big Tom Herman fan, but he uh, he coached scared in that game at the worst possible time. And that's uncharacteristic of a guy who is brash and cocky and arrogant and talks about how physical his football teams are. And I like those things about Tom Herman, and I like those things about his football team, but he shied away from that in in that game because you weren't physical. We knew that. You just – and I hope he – he didn't admit that, but he admit they ended up getting out-coached. But you weren't the more physical team in no. that game either. You got – y'all got Debo on, on mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage, which is fine. I mean, it can't win every, you know, line of scrimmage every game. Uh, but you then – after you found out what was working for you, you decided to go away from that in the most crucial point of the game. So I, so I'm, I'm lost. Like I don't understand. Like you, you made the adjustments that I expect a good coach to make when your initial game plan was terrible, and it was a bad game plan. And not because you didn't do your research or preparation, because it just didn't work. <laughs> you came out to get initial game plan, and whatever y'all thought, first 15, 20 play did not work. And the mo- you know ne- necessity is the mother of invention. In that forty-seven seconds left in the first half, y'all figured it out. Y'all figured out something only because you were basically in two-minute mode and you had forty-seven seconds to try to score. And you're like, we gotta put some score, some points on the board. And out of that desperation, I think you found you know I mean you were enlightened a little bit about okay, okay, now we figured out how we can attack them. And when you came on the second half. You doubled down on that philosophy. At one point, you threw it 27 times in a row, and I was like, okay, he understands now. Screw the game plan. Screw the running game. I am just going to throw it. We got Sam Ellinger's going to win or lose this game. And I was like, you know what? I'm cool with it. Yeah, and Sam, at one point, started to win the game. You had a 10-play drive and a touchdown drive. You had a 15-play touchdown drive. And every, every long one started to go, okay, Sam actually is going to win the game. 
And then in the most crucial point, you pulled a Jason Garrett when Dak was having his be- one of his best games ever. You took the game out of his hands and gave it to Zeke when Zeke was having one of his worst games. You took the game out of Sam's hands. That's a, that, that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, to me, that's the biggest indictment of Tom Herman in that game. And, and there's, like you said, Rod, is stubborn whatever label you want to put on it. Like, Bill Walsh has had bad game Everybody plans. Coaches Every bad coach games. had Not bad, worried about bad that. game Yeah, plans. man. It happens. But it's like to go back to what didn't work. That run game didn't work at all. Like, I, I was asked before the game, I think it was with Chad and Kevin maybe, but it's like, what does Texas need to do to move the ball on Iowa State if they're going to run it? I said, don't don't mess around with trying to, you know, get side to side or try the outside zone. You got to run right at Iowa State. You got to you got to pound it between the tackles. It's the only way you're going to run it. And the few times they did run it, that's what they did. But because it was pretty clear early, like outside zone, not going to work. Mm-hmm. Some of your pin and pull stuff, with as much as they're slanting, yeah, it's going to be hit and miss. Some and, of your brain and, butter and, and, wasn't going to work. And you got to a point in the game where it wasn't even worth trying anymore. Yeah. So I just don't understand. And like, I think the thing that concerns me the most and it's not that I don't think Tom Herman's going to work out but I think now people that cover the team the majority of the fan base I think this is the first time where people have had real doubt even if it's a little even if it's a little bit yeah. of doubt it, it's it's doubt people forget he's young though he is people forget that but his rationale that well if we'd have thrown three straight incompletions I'd be answering tougher questions okay it comes with the territory of the Texas job do what you do to win the game. Don't worry about what we're going to ask after the game. Just go do it wins the I game. I hope he wasn't worried. I hope well, that wasn't he, his concern. His, <laughs> and he said that it, the main concern was the clock. But still, along the same vein of what Jeff's saying is the same principle that he deviated from what he normally does. And that's like even from not only what was successful, throwing the ball in the second half and what was good, but – being aggressive. So if you're saying that then now I'm changing what we're doing because instead of playing against the opponent and trying to score and everything you just pointed out about being in the Big 12, you need to have points. He admitted that when that final last drive, he had a primary focus of running the clock down, which is different in elite. And if you're an offensive guy, Mm. if you're a guy that's confident, if you're a guy that knows the territory of the Big 12 in in this situation and Mm. then knows with what was just successful, that you hadn't been able to run the ball successfully. Now, I'm never going to question like a quarterback run with Sam. You normally have a damn good advantage, and in that situation, I could see it if it had been working, but when it's not working, me and Rod were talking about this before the game. It was like, well, what was working? We had been able to move the ball in the second half and yep. been able to air Spread it out. them out. Exactly, and you're doing different things. Well, if this situation they're expecting power, this is where you get to the situation where you go and you don't play your hand, you play the man the opponent what oh well they think we're going to run that's when you can actually go and counter that's off exactly of what right. that would be yeah. in that situation that in been that clutch. play it that would have been, been great clutch. because they all I mean they were sold out on stopping yeah. that QB stopping run, the run. they're going to come in and stop the run right there so either way it shows him either deviating from his main principle and he's an offensive mind and being a guy that's aggressive, all those things don't align with that last series. And then exactly. if you're like, well, if you're looking at, well, we're late in the game, just need to be able to run out this possession. It's like, yeah, but you can't get a first down doing that. So at least through there, just some, and we've been the one team and coaches talked about it. And we've got to the point that, extensions of the running game can be the running game. You don't have to traditionally run. Which they tried on third down. And you throw to, yeah, exactly. And, like, you can maybe throw to backs and do something a little bit more inventive to where, you know, 
Coach Herman's the guy that got to Texas because of being on that cutting edge always and always being one that was the forward-thinking mind you would think in the offensive game of football across all of college and pro football. But when we've seen the last year or so is like it almost as if like it's allotted its full capabilities within itself. And this is where you have other teams adjusting to you and you have to go and make your adjustments or layers or your complexities of your offense can be built off of it. And those are some of the things that we'd say are lacking in these situations because it was sort of back to what we expected to see on that last drive. You can't, you, you can't at, at, at four minutes, four minutes and one second left in that game be worried about time. When you're only up by one. And mm-hmm. the way the game was going, that was a bad decision by Tom Herman. He yep. should have went with, you know what, we got to get a first down by any means necessary and the traditional style of it in working. And he, he should have, number one, he should have had a counter. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm with you. Uh, you know, you should have had, and you, 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 you talked about it before the show, you know, remember Joe Burrow against Alabama? He has mm-hmm. the play where it looks like a quarterback draw, and it's a pull-up pop pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? You should have had one of those plays ready. Else. Joe Brady had that ready. He's like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I, it, there should have been something, because that would have been the counter. The yep. counter is, they're looking for the run, they're ready for the run, you come out in more of a, a power set or whatever, and you can still... And you get a 70-yard touchdown, because they are whatever just Whatever it is, zero. you know what I mean? Roll left. That's yes. good, you know what I mean? That, no, Where's, exactly. Yeah, you don't. I, I didn't see that counter ready to go. And my point is, the the, the decision should have been because. And I remember Matt Campbell said after the Oklahoma game, when why did you go for two? And you know you had the momentum and you just had to kick a, a extra point and you could have probably won the game and beat Oklahoma. And Oklahoma he said, I was watching Brock Purdy. I was watching my quarterback. And my quarterback basically was balling. Yeah. And I wanted the ball in his hands, and I'm fine with the ball in his hands. And we lost, but we lost because our guy went out there and gave it everything he had. Confidence. And, hey, man, it didn't happen for us. And Tom Herman would have came here on Monday and said, man, did y'all watch Sam Ellinger out there in them last few drafts? I figured, you know what, if we're going to go down – we're going to go down with that guy, and if we're going to win it, it's going to be because of that guy. And I was watching that guy, and that guy was at a, at a Vince Young swagger level I, at yeah. that point. He, he struggled early on, I did. But at, at those last two drives of touchdowns, you saw it. He was ready. He was, he was Westlake, Sam Millinger, playoffs. He was ready. And Tom didn't recognize that. Everybody else was like, no, let him go get it. Just spread him out and have everybody go, man, the Longhorns are going to be aggressive here and get a first down. You damn right. It tells me the pressure of the situation affected and his impact he, of his he, play he calling. He got there. conservative. Like, and this is a guy, hell, we were, remember, what's, what's the Kansas game? This, this is the same yeah. guy that decided with like eight seconds left in the Kansas we're game. We're going to go and out. He's going to go yards. and throw <laughs> Throwing out in that game before yours, everybody was like, that could have went all and kinds of wrong. Like, What's going Why on? did you do that? That could have hurt And he's like, nope, we got a quarterback that takes care of the football, that makes good decisions, and in the clutch, we know he can handle it. And in this game, you didn't do that. And it's usually, you know, give it to Sam. And I was disappointed that he didn't do that. Yeah. And it was a Jason Garrett-type decision to me. It's a revealing way to show that, like, for some reason, he was lacking confidence there in what he should have been most confident in. And it makes you wonder if the atmosphere and situation on, impacted you his decision-making. You see him danced on the sideline together at the damn Texas Bowl. <laughs> Come on, man. Give it to You should have pulled him over to the sideline and went, Sam, listen, we're going to give it to you. Make good decisions. Don't lose the game for us. Check it down. Scramble. Get down. You know what I mean? Then the worst, the worst that will happen when you make a good decision is the clock will run. And that's what we want anyway. And he didn't do that. He, he coached scared. And I listen, he ain't scared, but he coached scared in that moment. And scared money don't make money. To your there point you go. on that. 
Go back to the Oklahoma State game at the very end when they needed a first down. Same situation. They needed a first. You get a first down, game's over. Come on now. And third down, what do they call? Sometimes it's the most obvious that. call. It's a great call. And LHN had them mic'd up. And I don't know if you guys saw the all-access deal, yeah. but it's a it's a hard run action, and then yep. Sam's going to roll out the right side. And Tom Herman tells him, unless he's butt naked open, don't throw it and run. run it. Get what you can. Come on now. That was it? Yeah. Come on, same situation. <laughs> let, let Sam make the decision. He will like the likelihood of him making a bad decision, in my opinion, is very small and minuscule because he, he's been making good decisions. Now, he, of course, he throws picks. He's human. He's not perfect. He's well, not and then perfect. there's an added but variance if you do that because, like, if you just are running him, there's no other but option. But, like, yeah, like, like Jeff exactly. said, you gave him parameters. He was like, all right, listen, we're going to run this play. If you got it, you got it. If not, you run it. If not, throw the hell away. If the you know defense I mean? beats you, you still yeah. can win because so you I have that capability. But you chose to just go back to your initial game plan, your your first 15-play script. It, <laughs> yeah, it pigeonholes you. And if you do that, you have to be confident that your Crazy, guys up front are going to win. And the thing was, was is insane. your guys up front hadn't been winning that entire game. Now, entire we game. went into the game maybe thinking they would. I did. But then Tom's got to be able to adjust and change that end game. Rod, let's let's talk about just the offensive structure, if you will. And I won't get into the whole quote, but uh, Tom Herman was asked in the Monday press conference kind of about how they go through the week game planning, and he talked about <laughs> five how minutes. I did hear some of that. I, I was really liked confused it. about the breakdown of it, so I don't. I, I kind of yeah. tuned it out. So yeah, break it down, please. Well, let me know. yeah, I got to find the quote. It's a lot. Well, he it seems got like in, there's a lot. In, it seems like there's a lot of people involved. Well, see, it right? just sort of seemed like the question was a question that maybe not necessarily rubbed him the wrong way, but it was a question just like, oh well, what what goes into the offensive process? And then he's like, oh, you really want to know? Really Here's know. five minutes. I'll give it to you. No, and he gave it's him like, five minutes no, of detail, like and you, I, I enjoyed it. I learned from it. I've heard that. When it was people, five minutes of nonsense. No, the, st- the, the government does that, and the state yeah. does that. When you're giving open rec- records requests or something, oh, yeah. sometimes they'll just give you like 18 boxes. It's like a filibuster. Oh, like, like, oh, you, oh, you really want to research? Yes. Okay, you know what? See if you can find this needle in a Here's haystack. Here's 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I saw and heard on on Herman's face to Chip's question. That's a good one. All right, so he basically breaks down how basically the GAs and the analysts, Rod, as they should, are involved in kind of the deep dig stuff. So the staff gets the stuff at the beginning of the week, and it says they, they're they responsible for things like, uh, hey, when they line up in this look, uh, let me find the quote here. The CNN they, okay, talked about. They do a ton of deep digging in terms of, hey, we, we understand that they line up in this look 78% of the time, this formation, but how does it change when the back is offset here? How does it change when the tight end is maybe in a different alignment? So basically, your GAs and your analysts yeah, they give are doing tendencies, all the tendencies and yeah, trends all the and all stuff. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those guys are big in terms of deep digs. Uh, then to take you behind the scenes a little bit, Herb Hand, Derek Wareheim, and Stan Drayton, 7 a.m. Monday, go down and watch cutups in the O-line meeting room and formulate game thoughts uh, just on the run game. Uh, Tom Herman, Tim Beck, Larry Fedora, and Andre Coleman are watching – for bigger picture stuff, formations, blitz pickups, front tips, coverage tips, uh, who are they from a personality standpoint? Then Drew Manager and Corby Meekins, they separate and go watch for personnel on the back end. How do we attack? Uh, how do we attack with coverage adjustments to different formations, yada, yada, yada. So basically that's kind of what it is. And the, the yeah, this is the research, the, the, ba- the background research. And this is all on first and second down yeah, 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 within yeah. the so 20s. They, yeah. yeah. Then we get yeah. back together for about, at about 10, 10, 15. On, that's on, uh, I guess, Monday morning, all in the same room, put thoughts together in the roundtable. 
and that's for what Herman calls CNN, competitive, normal, normal, meaning the game is still competitive. Uh, you're breaking down a lot of uh, – you're not breaking down a lot of film in a 45 nothing game with third strangers and blah, blah, blah. Basically, like Matt yeah, said, yeah, 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 it's first it. and second down when the game is in control. <laughs> then later in the week you get Somebody into third down. situational stuff, yeah. third and long, third and shorts. And I asked, him on, the big, I asked yeah. him on the Big 12 teleconference because this is something else we'll get into on their fourth downs. I, I want to know, like, are there fourth down plays that you carry with you every week that regardless of – who you're playing, what their personnel is, what they like to do with their front. We feel really good about this call on fourth down. We've worked it. We've repped it. Mm-hmm. This is something we've got in our back pocket for fourth down. He said no. They specifically game plan for fourth okay. down every week. For, for different so they don't players. carry stuff week to week. It is, it's all new well, every week. Well, I'm sure it's variations down. of stuff. They well, do. and it's all but like it, the idea it that it's be, first and second down is what he was originally talking about. So what you're asking right here, I bet he would compartmentalize third down and fourth down are situational with right. the red yes. zone. So you separate those. My yeah. point was, I, I just I got to thinking about just his offense, Rod, and just kind of kind of trying to really get into. Like we talked about the pro spread and what it means and what Tom Herman wants mm-hmm. to do, but I, I think they're not losing the battle to me with scheme. They're not losing the battle with personnel they're losing the battle with self-scouting and game planning and preparation plenty of times multiple times actually on and it's show. pretty clear now though that's where they're losing the battle like it's not the scheme itself is not bad the See, personnel be you, better, the personnel yeah. you have well it's not perfect no no scheme is perfect yeah. the personnel you have is not bad yeah i've seen much worse in this program trust me mm-hmm. the staff has had much worse you've got a quarterback yeah who regardless of uh, there's multiple threads on our board asking is it time to give casey thompson a chance mm-hmm. which that's ridiculous. To each their own. Oh, yeah, but the same people that want Tom Herman fired. Already, you've got so. a quarter. You've got a quarterback you can win ball games with. Mm-hmm. That's one of the better quarterbacks in this league. Yeah. So you've got a lot of stuff going for you. I, I think the where they're losing the battle is game plan preparation and self scouting. And I go back to that, Rob, because I go back to the USC game, mm-hmm. his first year, when they're talking about well, you know, the situation one of those overtimes is you go for two, and he said, well, we blew our two point play on third down, on the kind of the throwback yeah. pass to Cade Brewer. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time, like, you only have one two-point play? That's it? Not a lot of people go for two very often, but I agree you should have more than one. And at that point in that stage, they were at the infancy. That was Sam's, like, first game. So I'm just saying they probably didn't have a lot in the book compared to Here's my point on this. Here's my point on this. As many close games, like Tom Herman, the way he coaches, the way he manages the game, you're going to be in a lot of close games. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't you go to the – ultimate length to make sure, hey, if we're going to be in close games, we need to be really, really good, as good as we can be in short yardage, as good as we can be in red zone goal line. We need to have multiple plays in case we got two-point situations that come up throughout the day. Like All these situations that come up in close games, if that's the way you're going to coach it, shouldn't you be forming your game plan and forming and, and doing your stuff ahead of the game? Shouldn't you be forming and saying, okay, it's probably going to come down to last minute one possession. If we need a two-point play, we've at least got options. Like we said, have counters, have different stuff. Like That, to me, Rod, is where this staff is kind of losing me right now. Um, well, I don't know. That, that's, I've ranted about self-scouting on the show before, but right. I, I'll say – I think and me and Matt were actually talking about this too because Matt said he saw Tom Herman on like mm-hmm. Rewind or something. Yep. And I'll let you talk about that because I think that was interesting too and it adds to the same point that Jeff brought up. It's, you know, he does, and, I, and I, all the breakdown about, you know, the background on how the offensive coaches are scouting the other teams and situations. I mean, everybody does that and, and that's great. It sounds like that everybody's uh, at least dividing up the responsibilities. 
but they they still don't self-scout in the way that they don't understand how teams want to attack them on a game-by-game basis. Yeah. And, and Matt and I were talking the about quote, how— quote, I'll just give it real quick. No, go ahead. You go, go, yeah, because yeah, it was just like what we had heard him say. It was after the Kansas game, whenever Kansas started throwing the ball all over. TCU. He said, it, TCU. He said the same thing. And I believe it was after LSU and OU, but he was like, yeah, you know, they just came out and did a lot of things that we didn't expect to see and didn't see on film. And it's like, <laughs> they're going to do that <laughs> always to you, dude. <laughs> like, that's what's going on here, like— if you're expecting to just go and turn exactly on the what play you saw and, and then go devise your game plan and that's football, it's not where it's at right now. It's exactly right. And that's kind of my thing. I think he – and he, he genuinely seemed surprised. When, yeah, it's like, he did. I thought Max Duggan was going to run it more. And it's like, well, I could have uh, told you they were going to try to pass it I on I saw you that more. rewind this morning and was <laughs> like, God, I'm happy I watched that. Yeah, so I – yeah, I think he, he – that's what he needs to figure out. And I don't know who you – uh, and I, I, I would honestly, and we, we were talking about this, I would honestly, if I was a coach, I'd have two analysts that literally week by week, they were the other team. Yeah, you aren't even Texas. You're, you're the you opponent. You're, you're trying not, to yeah. beat me, prove yourself. You're trying to what? You are the other team. You have watched their film. You have broken down us all year. How would you attack us based on our weaknesses, based on our strengths, and based on what you do well and how you do it? And I don't think there's enough of that. And I know that's pretty elaborate, but you know that's Belichickian. You know that's and you know you got to be. That, they should that's be doing chess that. when yeah. everybody else is playing checkers, especially when you have unlimited resources at Texas. Mm-hmm. That should be something you have, and that's how you find a, a really young good coach too. You'll yeah. find a, lo- a young Jim because you'll get you know a young Brent Deerman, you know what I mean, yeah. a young a young Shano, and this bring a man and like, damn, week. this dude's got some great game plans to whip our butt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so I I, I challenge Tom Harmon to, to to like advance the self scouting to the point where you have people within your department who are intentionally trying to uh, every week break you down and exploit your weaknesses. Yeah, I don't re- know reverse if there's enough engineer of that. your roster against Bam. it and that's be able exactly to look right. at it. And that's a perfect way. Yep. To, when you look at production, exactly right. you always have to weigh both sides. And it's the same thing that, like, say you're looking at the NBA and the way a team's pace goes, and you can't just look at the other team and be like, oh, well, they run, so then we're going to run. It's like, no. But then how does that affect how you yep. counter back? And there's always that balance between the two before you get an actual depiction. Like you can look at the film, but then you got to sit there and be like, okay, well, how are they going to go and attack that? Well, then if they're going to probably do that, we have to know that we could also build an entire secondary game plan in case this comes yeah. up. And that's so how you then get, real yes. quickly, you can flip the script Boom. and you can you go, anticipate. You yeah, anticipate. and it's almost the inverse of yeah. what you are doing. So if you understand yeah, exactly that right. and that, you can make that quick adjustment. Yep, but, a, that gives you a plans A, B, C, and D going into a game, yeah. and it doesn't take you as long. And you don't have to stumble upon yep. it like Texas did versus Iowa State. You don't stumble. Because the truth is, okay, this is why Texas should have anticipated what Iowa State was going to do. You're missing Colin Johnson. So if I'm a D.C. going to the game and you don't have Mr. 50-50 on the outside, the yeah. guy you target is a first down 50% of the time or it's a touchdown 50% mm-hmm. of the time. So if you don't have that guy, okay, well, then I'm let, well, there are two principles to this Tom Harmon pro spread offense. One is the power spread and the other is the deep ball. Mm-hmm. Right? We are, we've talked about this on the show. So you've already eliminated the deep ball. And Devin DuVernay, we know if you watch film, what? 60% of his targets are where? Within five years of London Scrimmage. He's not up. running deep that that often. So, okay. All right. So Maybe now we can try Two, three it. times a Boom. game. And you see when Texas ran trips, 
How, what, what did Iowa State do? They put four defenders out there, and they, they'd hover one guy in purgatory so that he could always add late to the box. So they wouldn't always lose in the numbers game. Texas would be like, oh, we had the numbers advantage because mm-hmm. they're going to put four out there to defend our three. And they did for a while, then Iowa State said, ah, well, okay, Let's, you just hover right there. If they throw it out there, you run late to the, to the tunnel screen or the bubble screen. But if they run, you just add to the mix into the running game. So we always got – it's almost like we got 12 guys when, you know what I mean, because yeah. we got another guy. We're displacing numbers. So – uh, and, and for a while, they, they played that little game. But Texas should have anticipated that Iowa State was going to stack the box, number one, because there is no threat over the top. Brandon Eagles, okay, he's going to run a nine route. Okay. You know what I mean? We'll cover it. Right. He, he's like Colin Johnson. There ain't a lot of branches on Brennan Eagle's route tree. Yes, he basically runs like a nine and then an end cut. So if That's you're doing the research, it. you already know, like, all right, listen, he's going to run these two routes. Colin Johnson's got we're worried about running deep. So you compressed everything now. That's why Texas early on couldn't run, all right, because they got lots of guys in the box. Devin Duvernay is an extension of the running game. Hell, they just put two guys on Devin Duvernay and said, man, flat foot, read it. Flat foot him. He's going to run it out. He's going to run a quick hitch. He's going to run a bubble screen. Don't worry about it. And which is pretty much the case with, with, with Devin Duvernay because they don't really run him on vertical routes. They figured that out late, right? They ran the smash concept for the first vertical pass of the game for Texas. By the, by the way, the first time they threw over 10 yards in the game was that Devin Duvernay 17-yard pass. We catch it almost like, you know, Lynn Swan style on the sure. sideline. Mm-hmm. So why Texas should have already known, like, okay, they gonna stack the box because we ain't got we ain't got Colin. If hell, if I was going up against us and we didn't have Colin, dude, I wouldn't worry about any other routes really deep because Texas, other than Brennan Eagles, he runs that one route. But you know he's not Colin Johnson. No, it's right? not a spread offense so, at that point. Yeah. Like you're literally in a phone booth if you're doing this. So so that's all they did. That's why that's why the RPOs didn't work because the bat, it was too packed in. Mm-hmm. No, there was enough space for the RPOs where you ever saw Sam. He would run your RPO and he 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 pull it back down like damn. Because it, it wasn't clear that you know the read wasn't clear. There's so no Texas, backside. But but where was the where what where were they weak? You can't defend everything all the time. And so if you're bring you're compressing everything, then where are you vulnerable? Where are you vulnerable? Deep, deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep. Or the backside. They figured it out way too late. Yeah, backside and deep, and they figured it out way too late. Oh, let's just spread them out, dude. And the running game became the checkdowns and ta- and, and uh, the scramble game mm-hmm. for Sam Ellinger, and then they just threw it vertical. And here, here's and this is why Texas figured it out too late. Texas threw two. Vertical passes, 10 yards or more down the field uh, in the first 29 minutes and 13 seconds. Hmm. So from that la- that point, from that 47-second mark in the second quarter, it was 47 seconds left, the last drive of the first half, they threw 18 passes, 10 yards or more down the field. Of the 20 passes they threw 10 yards or more down the field, all but four of them were on the three touchdown drives. So they figured it out. They figured yeah. it out. Okay, okay. It's deep. That's where because they plan this prevent, but we got we got holes and creases deep, and only only Eagles could find them, and pretty much only De- Devin Duvernay was skilled enough to find them. Yeah. But then it opened up other things. So my point is, Texas should have been ready for that. They should have anticipated that. And the thing right? was, is we that, came into it, this. When Colin Johnson's not playing. Everybody knew, like, well, hell, they're definitely not worried about any other receivers. Remember last Changed week's show, plan. we sat there and I talked about just by looking strictly at their sack rates and the way that they use guys, that they're not going to bring any pressure nope, on passing downs. They're going to drop down, and it's what they've done all year, and yep. they're going to continue to do it. And they did do it, and you have smart receivers that made that adjustment and smart play calls exactly that found right. that they mesh found point yep. that's in front of the back end of the net that can get you the 15 to 20 yard, which is the exactly explosive right. what you're looking for, and you did that, and that's good adjustment, and to be able to continue that, it's just the last drive you didn't Because you've noticed they were playing 
a defense where they had a, a an umbrella over mm-hmm. the defense. So you didn't get the streaking downfield throws, but you got the vertical smash combo, the seven yep. routes. You know what I mean? You got They're Brandon Eagles. Yeah, they ran that Brandon Eagles, which is the only good coaching call of the day on offense, honestly. I'm not going to lie to you. Everything else was just miraculous efforts by individual players. Think about it. Uh, Sam Ellinger's touchdown to Epps. He runs. Yeah. He reverses field mm-hmm. like he's freaking on Remember the Titans. And then lasers. Uh, then, yeah, did, uh, then Eagles, his touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. what the hell? That was amazing, right? Yeah. And then you got you got Devin Duvernay making some miraculous catches. It was all that was all those touchdowns were on play. Even the zero blitz one where Sam puts a touch on it and then Ingram comes down with it. Those were just great individual. Well, wasn't it, wasn't it nice to see Texas beat someone on a zero blitz? That was. Well, that was then, ironic. That was then, ironic. How but, how great it was the Eagle when you just said the Eagles play, I didn't even notice at the time, but like he it's a run play. He's just blocking and then he just had the wherewithal to realize, oh, Sam's going to throw it to me, and they didn't have anybody illegally downfield, so he went from blocking to turning around and caught the ball. Yeah, that and, was a designed run play. And my favorite Eagles play is, and it's, it's, it's the only coaching like, advantage Texas had in the game, in my opinion. They run trips three by one, and he's on the single receiver side. They run basically the concept we talked about that the Texas stole from LSU mm-hmm. uh, last week where Cosme had the holding penalty where they, they basically run Devin Dune. He's the number three receiver on the trips. And they run him all the way deep drag across the field to the opposite sideline, and they throw it, and it was beautiful. LSU did it against Texas. Same concept with the single receiver, and that's what Brandon Eagles, that's second and 35, yeah. God, or whatever it was, <laughs> that he run deep drag all the way across the field, and then they hit him on that opposite sideline, and it was that was a beautiful play. Only thing I'd ask, let the number three receiver on the trip side also run to the opposite sideline so and then have them at the mesh point to, totally to give Sam Ellinger yeah, to give Sam Ellinger uh, some options and then run somebody right down that seam where they would mesh, like right in between, like a little deep, a late deep post right there. You know, oh, that would be just so sexy. I want to go back because we talked about just how how bad the game plan was. Number one and number two, how for some reason they tried. At different spurts to go back to said game plan and it, it didn't work but another thing we've talked about rod is being predictable based on your formations because mm-hmm. you don't use a lot of motion you don't have a lot of pre-snap shifts there's not a lot of funk to your nope. offense yep. you can pretty much and, and here's the thing like if the three of us can watch a game and tell well, they're in 12 personnel they're running inside zone they don't really do anything else out of 12 personnel damn sure no iowa state knows that well they, they when they ran at 12 personnel I think they, they weren't trying to hide it, obviously, that they were going to run. They moved Sam Cosme to right tackle, ran that 12 personnel, moved the wide receiver to like a power set two, and then it was at third and three and fourth and two, and they ran basically that quarterback power, and yeah, they knew what you were running. Yeah. They knew the play. Mm-hmm. They knew the play. And by the way, Ed, Ed Orgeron said after the LSU play, game that they knew the play then too, yep. remember? Yeah. Power was coming. So, no, they, we knew that play was coming. Like, we knew they tipped it off. I, so now you, that's like three different times we've heard, because even after TCU – there are reports that, oh, no, the Longhorns are tipping their plays, and now you're hearing about it versus, versus Iowa State. That's a problem. Even if it is just rumor and conjecture, but it's a problem. No, because T- I, I think it, I think I can tell. When TC, like TCU sat on every in-breaking route there was. They, like, they two, like- <laughs> two of Sam Ellinger's interceptions, I think it was two. Yeah, I think it was two because the second one, the one to Wiley in the boundary, that was just a bad play on his part. Mm-hmm. And then. I think there was the fourth down where he's just trying to make something happen. Yeah. yeah. So the first two were guys just sitting on him breaking routes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Yeah, one was that well, that one to the, the Duvernay. The Duvernay, yeah. yeah. He was just sick because he already the knew. The guy sitting there before Duvernay makes his cut. He already knew like Devin Duvernay is going to run this inside cut. Yeah. And, I, it, and the other one, the Jake Smith was the other one. And the Jake Smith was the other one, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. 
I don't know why we don't run bunch formations. I, I've been all year long like bunch, one bunch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like last week they figured out, uh, let's put another guy in motion. Let's put uh, Colin Johnson in the slot, which we also been you know yelling for. But man, a bunch formation makes it so much easier for your guys to get separation. That's what you want. That's what Sam's you know missing at times, and you would force the defense to process more information about who's high, who's low, who's running what route. Mm-hmm. That de- that determines what their responsibility is going to be. It, you know who runs a lot of bunch formation? LSU. Oh. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's like dude, do you want to know why they do it? Because it's another cheat code. Yes. We don't use enough cheat codes. No, like you said, no funk. What's the pre-snap motions? Hell, dude, Iowa State ran pre-snap motion on almost every offensive play. Somebody will be moving, somebody I shifting. Feel- and I'm like, Texas doesn't use all of them. Man, motion causes emotion. All right? They, they, and they, they throw the ball out of 13 personnel. You know what they did that Texas also, they, and they stole, they didn't steal this, but they, they saw it versus K-State when K-State put Malik Knowles in the backfield and then they, Texas gave up the 75-yard touchdown pass. Uh, they did the same thing with Deshante Jones. They put him in the backfield. He runs like that wheel route up the sideline, and that's the first play of the first half, second half, and Texas forgets about him, and their leading receiver got lost in the shuffle. And remember, Oklahoma's done this too with C.D. Lamb. They bring him in that yep. reverse motion all the way around, and Texas just lost him in translation, lost him in communication, and then he goes all the way up the sideline, and Jalen Hurts hits him mm-hmm. deep. And it's like, well, how did, they, how did Texas lose the best wide receiver on the field position? How do you lose that guy? Well, you creatively can scheme him. He Challenges the defense. And that's what they did. You know, and that's Texas, the complexities like, that, that you yeah. add to it. Like just the fact like, that you it, haven't done that with Devin Duvernay and stole that play, mm-hmm. I'm so upset. Well, I, Go steal that concept. I got to go back and look at the Keontae Ingram touchdown because I, I can't remember too, ti- too many times, Rod, where in that look where the tailback from the backfield has actually run a vertical. Yeah, I, I want to say that maybe an adjustment they made. Could yeah. be. I'm with you on that. I agree with you on that. Just thinking about it yeah, yeah. as, we're, as we're rolling. No, yeah. and I loved it when they, he ran it, too. It was beautiful. It, no, it was so great. Yeah. And, but, like, just these things, and it's things we've brought up, like, every single week that yeah. we would like to see from the offense. Just, and it's not even because it makes a play better, but just the idea of the mental consumption of the defense and challenging you. the Challenge defense. And the way that you said, like, well, you know, I Lamb was a pretty simple concept, but, like, if you're challenging four different defenders within oh, one play man. to just do something simple and pass off from one zone to the next zone to the next zone. It's It can that be defended, screw it up. but yeah. there's a chance you're adding the variable that four people now have to make the right same continuous decision. And, and if one screw the it up, thing. then you go and add those variables. And if you add those type of variables to every play, not only your pre-snap mental consumption, that jet motions and changing up or the chess match to get the piece that you want, but then actually within the framework, like the last play that we were talking about with uh, the drag with Eagles where you have the entire defense being challenged vertically yeah. or horizontally one mm-hmm. way and then you use it against themselves. Those are the type of things that it, do- it, it doesn't seem as if they are very complicated and they aren't something that is too hard to get like quickly incorporated into your offense, but it seems invaluable to actually use those as much as possible, not to maybe err on the side like it's good to be confident and know we run our power and it's hard to stop or that we love our 11 personnel and it, yeah, you try to stop Duvernay because it's hard and I agree with that. But it also is admitting on the front end that you're being stubbornly confident with what you do, thinking that you can beat them. So you better be able to go out and execute and beat them if that's what you're doing, if you're eliminating all of the conceptual things that can give you a yeah. competitive advantage. I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because 
when Tom Herman's out, when it doesn't click, Rod, we've seen in losses around here where it doesn't mm-hmm. click. And I don't want to disparage a guy that you played for, but the offense sometimes gets way too Greg Davisy for me. And I'm talking, I'm not talking like VY 2005 yeah. or Colt 2009. I'm talking like the Sims, Roy Sloan, BJ, Era Rod, your wheelhouse. Where, and we talked, we talked about it like big games where it, so often that offense just seemed like, you know what, ours are better than yours. It doesn't matter what you do. We're just going to do what we do. We just got better players. Yeah. And, and we're just going to go kick your tail. Yeah. But when the competition, the talent level evens out, and then when you're playing your tail. in Oklahoma or Washington or yep. Colorado or in Oregon, then it becomes, okay, now what's your counter? And a lot of times, other than guys making great individual plays, sometimes you really didn't have a counter. Totally agree with you. Yep, and I think, remember, we, you brought this up after the LSU game. It like, seemed like Tom Herman, and, and maybe we were wrong because we, the theory that you know we were talking about when you brought it up, and you said Tom Herman came into that LSU game like I'm not even I don't need a schematic, you know, conceptual advantage. I my guys can beat their guys one on one and almost use it as a measuring stick, yeah. right? Yeah. He wanted to as a barometer, like I want to see where my team is versus LSU with just running our bread and butter, bare bones. This is what we do, running that kind mm-hmm. of game plan, and let's see if we can go beat up. And and hell, almost did. And I think maybe zone read and eleven personnel. Yeah. And so Texas our theory goes. was that he was saving all the innovation yes, and creativity for, for the Big, Big 12. Twelve, and we're giving were, him too much credit. Yeah. So I think you were <laughs> right in your part of it that he did believe his bare bones, my guy can beat your guy, Greg Davis kind of uh, mentality. But we were wrong in that he was saving the innovation yeah. and creativity. And you know, I, 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 this is one thing that I and I've been talk. I talked to Matt about this. You know, I if I was him to try to get the way we are right now, and you, I don't think Jordan Whittington is gonna play. Just it didn't seem like he's that's still, gonna he's happen. He's still having pain with the. I know this sounds crazy, dude. I would have a package in that ten personnel with the four wide receivers mm-hmm. where I would put du- Duvernay at, at at running back. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's sim- it's simplistically brilliant because think about what the other defense is going to do. when Because I can put Jake Smith and Elps in the slot, and hopefully Colin Johnson comes back. You have him and Eagles on the outside. I'd put Devin Duvernay in the backfield. And they'd be, people would assume, oh, hell, they're definitely going to pass it. You could run it out of that Devin Duvernay and still – you could run the speed option out of it with Devin Duvernay. Yeah. You, probably can, you probably can run, honestly, <laughs> to, to off tackle because he's, he's a pretty good runner with the ball in his hands. Oh, but yeah. Then, Some line up in <clears> OU, right? the but, inside. Yeah, but, but the beauty of it would be – Who's going to guard him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to guard him when I run him on, you know what I mean, when I run him on an arrow route? Which linebacker oh, got him? Yeah. When I decide to run him on a flat route, well, when like, I basically turn are, him into Christian McCaffrey out of my backfield, what, what are we talking about? Who is going to guard that guy? Because I want to present a problem to the defense. Yeah. And then I also want to I want to make his job a little easier, too, because he's so talented, find different ways to get the ball in his hands. I'm telling you, just, just about maybe two or three series, I'd run that 10 personnel package, I'd put him in the backfield. And, what do we it, talk about? What are we talking about going into the Iowa State game? With Charlie Kohler, like what? What is Matt Campbell going to do with this guy? Because they they run all they can run any fullback. You can keep him in the game and run any personnel H-back. package you want. You want to run twelve, thirteen. You want to run twenty one. You want to be Slot. ten, eleven, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yep. Charlie Kohler can be an every down player regardless of what personnel package. Which if you're Todd Orlando Rod, I'm sure that freaked him out trying to figure out okay where is this guy going to oh, line up. So it's a nightmare. You yeah. don't sleep as a DC. And think because about you know the one time, the one time you end up in a coverage where it's like him one on one with Jawan Mitchell, or yeah, or you lose you him and now disrespect to Jawan Mitchell, but you don't want an inside linebacker covering exactly. that guy. You're like, oh man, yeah. yeah. No, and, and think about it. That that could help you expand your your diversity because if you put him in the backfield and say you have Keontae Ingram out there too, 
you can actually then start motioning him back into the backfield, man, mm-hmm. and then still you can still run him on a route, but then defenses have to like somebody else is going to guard him, not a corner. Yeah. Or not a DB. And the somebody, responsibility is going to shift and change. But that's how you can start getting him, you know, open. You can start. You can have. You can run. You can do exactly what other teams just did to you, mm-hmm. and you can just put him on a wheel route outside and see if he gets lost on a safety or something downfield. No, and, and it, it's happened in Texas. It can happen to anybody else. And Duvernay's a perfect type of guy that, yes. like, I can't wait to see him at the next level because a Belichick or a Shanahan's going to have I so much fun with him. Shanahan and, would love him. But with what you just brought up, is sort of the uh, cross or in the same vein that reason why you wanted Jake Smith at running back in the preseason was because of the fact that you can get that multifaceted aspect. Well, mm-hmm. we learned that right now Jake Smith is only backing up DuVernay in that same role. So Very the true. only time you're going to get him is whenever DuVernay's off the field. And, well, how can we do anything? Like, if he's only comfortable playing in that role, the easiest way to make this be seamless is to get your best 11 out there. How can we though. keep – DuVernay on there, while still you're confident with this being a package, two or three of your 11 drives per game, which I will admittedly say limits your upside already because you're taking your best player off the field. And the frustrating thing with that, Matt, Amen. is we've seen this staff on both sides of the ball do that. Yeah. They did it last year with LJ. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like yeah. what Like what good is it LJ doing as your backup X receiver? No, just get him on the field. Put like is team. he a conventional H receiver? No, we'll but figure out a way to use him. Todd Orlando did the same thing on defense the first year where he realized, you know what? Now, I really want Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson on the field at the same time, but the only position Gary Johnson only knows Rover. Like he can only play Rover. Malik, I'm sorry. I know we promised you Rover, but to make this work, we're going to put you at, at Mac yeah. linebacker. It's going to work. It'll make everybody. But it, it's not going to be quite what we yeah. thought it was going to be. But trust me, in the big picture, it's going to work, and it worked. Yep, and they're that's... probably the best two linebackers in the conference. So okay? I mean, if you're trying to keep Jake in a comfortable position, you don't have to move him from that. And then with a guy like Duvernay, you can have a built-in ten where you go and have him be another slot, because I bet he has a football IQ to be able to just do the mirror image of what he did before. We've already seen Colin, when healthy, be able to line up with the inside slot. And then, like you said, you can motion him and have him be your standard downs back because he's proven that he can run between the tackles and can definitely be more of at least one of your complimentary backs if you have a back by committee doing the Trey Watson role that last year as a guy that's more of a primary receiver out of it. And the thing is, is it would keep your offense from being seamless. Nobody would have to change any roles except for you're finding a way to get Duvernay closer to the ball. If I, if I was a fan, I would be way more frustrated with the offense than the defense because like yeah. we said, of those two sides of the ball, the offense has by far the fewer amount of excuses and you're going to get to the end, Rod. I, I think we'll see the defense I think they've run into two really good matchups with as much as heavy as much they heavy have. personnel as K State and Iowa State runs. Yeah. So it's going to change a little bit when they play Baylor. Yeah. But when you look at the end of the year, I think if this ends up being a year where maybe they win eight regular season games and go get you nine with a bowl, at this point I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just say it does, then I think you'll say, okay, they probably took a bad situation on defense. It was horrible in the middle of the year. But at least they strung it together in mm-hmm. the end and yeah. were, as I've used this term, they were good enough to put you in a position to win games down the street. They got you a stop. Criti- they got you yes. a critical stop late. That's and, all That's all you can ask of this And they got right you now. the ball back. They got you the ball back. And we always said, man, get, get, get Sam the ball late in a game with the game on the line. It's all Lohan fans really can ask for. Mm-hmm. And, and the defense has too often this year not allowed that to happen or at least, you know, had it 
come way too close, like the Kansas game. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but no, in this time in a crucial spot, they got you back the ball. I thought Todd Orlando situationally coached one of his better games. And listen, mm-hmm. that Brandon Jones touchdown when you when you when you got a coverage call and your captain in your back end has a brain fart, I mean, it ain't on Todd that, Orlando. None of okay? that's on Orlando. Yeah, I mean, cause it's just, Brandon. There was a, a pump fake Purdy's pump faked it out to the the, the tunnel screen, and then. Um, you saw Brandon bit? Jones bid on it, and then end up losing the Cole, best, the one guy behind, the one guy you can't lose on the team. Yeah, and yeah. it's only Cole like Lark. somehow five yards behind you in a end zone yeah. where like that, yeah. that's not on Orlando. And even you know, even at Deshante Jones touchdown, you know, honestly, they should have had a sack. Two guys should have had a sack on that play. That's just pur- Purdy being Purdy, and then he makes a hell of a play. So honestly, when you hold somebody to twenty three points in uh, at their place. Man, that's um Tom Harmon in the offense. So the defense, I know, I know the 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 Malcolm Road. That, technically, that's special teams. Technically, that is special teams. I know we're like that's, that's defense. Like technically, it's special teams. If you want to know the truth, just letting you know that's where you practice the the, the the field goal block and PAT block. You practice that on in, during special teams, yeah. not on defense. So technically, the defense gave you a stop. Jalen Green came up with a big play. The defense was good. Special teams actually came back to bite you. If you want to know technically, that's the truth. This is where I'm at on, and I know we've got to talk Baylor. Yeah. But this is where I'm at with this offensive staff right now. They're, they're, I think we can all agree at this point, as disappointing as the season is, and I said the the bar for me going into the year was get back to the Big 12 championship game. I wouldn't even count and like win the conference because you yeah. don't know what's going to happen in the game. Just get back to Arlington. That's not going to happen now unless just – Chaos. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's pure Stars chaos. Stars would have to align. Yeah. But so that's not going to happen. So to me, this season, regardless of whether you're eight and four, seven and five, whatever, it, it's going to be a disappointment. It is a disappointment. Regardless of what happens on Saturday. Not a failure. Time. It's a disappointment. Disappointment. Um, Which is something. So that worse. said, mm-hmm. there's going to be changes on this staff in the offseason. Mm, we hope. I'm not sure. It's and I'm a not, guarantee. I'm not. I'm not for. I'm not for fire. Just firing coaches right when things go bad. But I think at this point, Tom Herman's got three seasons with this staff to I think now realize where really are his strengths, where are his weaknesses, where can he upgrade? Because keep in mind, Tom Herman's in his dream job right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's at a point where. I don't know if he's lost a fan base, but that number that are on the Tom Herman's not going to get it done bandwagon, that num- right or wrong, that number is growing. And you're at Texas where you can always upgrade. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Texas. And I'm not saying you've got to go money whip the best guy, but as a head coach, like Mac talked about it all the time, you've got the Rolodex of, okay, mm-hmm. if my DB's coach goes to take a job in the NFL, got a list. I need five guys I can call the ne- like yeah. in, within the next 10 minutes after that and try to get me. And if you don't, the- you're not doing your job. Exactly. So these are all things Tom Herman should be thinking about. Yes. Um, and I'm not all for, for firing coaches and just, you got to make change for the sake of change, but I think you're at the point now, Rod, where I just don't think, given that as disappointing as this year has been, I just don't think you can run it back, number one. And number two, Tom Herman's got to find somebody, whether he just decides to put all his trust in Tim Beck, which at this point he's shown that he's got to at least have his hands involved in the offense. Mm. You've got to hire an offensive coordinator to not completely turn it over to, yeah. but you trust them enough to where you can help, in other words, because this team is also – we talked about losing self-scouting, situational football, game planning, all that stuff. You're losing it in the details. The, yeah. the, the offsides call on a field goal, the offsides penalty on the field goal, that's losing it in the details. Maybe you need a special teams coach. Yeah. That's, maybe that's something you need to add. Special team, a specific special teams coach. Well, Maybe if, if, you about- decide, if you decide – sorry, Matt. If you decide you're keeping Todd Orlando, we talked about this a few weeks ago. 
eliminate one of your assistant positions on offense, get Todd Orlando a linebackers coach, so maybe what he needs is to step back and look at the big picture. Could be as a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those. Are, that's the kind of stuff Tom Herman's got to be thinking about. Well, and, and definitely have something come in like just some off season because you need to have somebody that can come in and evaluate this program because it's that at the tipping point where Herman it isn't going to be over. But if it doesn't go well next year, then there's going to be a lot of fire. Mm-hmm. So he knows this off season so pivotal. So I would like to see just a massive ability to bring in consultation I don't know of a better word to bring it in but yeah somebody like an Urban Meyer like I don't care what personal differences people have you have a mentor that's probably as fit as any human in the history of the world to give you an objective evaluation of what you have I don't see that happening well I mean and I think all the Urban Meyer Tom Herman personal stuff's blown out of the water but everybody has their own personal opinions but I easily I I don't I don't think it is well no I think they could have something very personal between the two of them, and I still think possibly football-wise, Urban Meyer likes football, and he likes evaluating things. Either way, somebody, let's insert name here, somebody that can give you an honest evaluation that knows what they're talking about, that's familiar with it, because there, if there aren't changes going to be made immediately to staff like you're talking about, changes need to be made to be able to identify your glaring issues, and that's one of the few humans on Earth that I would uh. trust being able to do it and get a fat fee to be able to do I, it too. I just think I just think Tom Herman's in the same position like Mac Brown was going in at the end of 2003 when that offseason was bringing Greg Robinson, bringing Dick Tomey, and you really kind of changed the culture the way you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Same thing going from 07 to 08, you bring in Will Muschamp and you bring Major Applewhite back. Mac did that every, every three or four years. Mac did that. Yeah, and Tom Herman at the end of the Aquino when I when I was there. And Tom Herman at the end of year three, Rod. It's probably time to figure out. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, let's switch up a little bit. And Mac I, did it. Yeah, you're right because he dealt with McWhorter, right? He brought in. I think that was what year was that? Uh, we changed the line coaches. I think that was at the end of 03? 02. Yeah, oh, going yeah, into it was like 03, 03, I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. So Mac did it. We're like that's a weird. He you're seeing some stuff. Your senior year, that's a weird deal. We're like, was it your senior year? Maybe the year after, like Mac McCorder's coaching like tight ends and tackles, and well, Tom Tim Nunez doing some of that Tim with Nunez is coaching guards and centers. The Wareham thing is kind of weird. He's doing some of that. Yeah, he's doing yeah. some of that. Wareham just kind of moving pieces around. It's like, well, is he a tight ends coach? Is he an yeah. O line coach? Is he a special team coach? What is he? Interior <laughs> lineman coach. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll see, you'll see outside there, but and I'll see outside wide receivers inside. It becomes a problem when people start asking, "Well, you're a tight ends producer." It's like, well, you moved him and upgraded at one position because you didn't want him there, but then you worry about saying, oh, your tight end's getting better because when you lost Cade Brewer, your offense seemed to take regress a little. You know yeah, I mean? uh, we talked about the defense a little bit, and we'll talk about it right now as we get in uh, to get to talk about Baylor. And, Rod, when we uh, – I say we. I, I won't you know put you guys in there unless you want to be. I, You guys know I've been a big fan of Matt Rule for a while now. I just love how he approached that job the way he evaluates talent, the way he runs a program. Uh, I'm just a huge Matt Rule fan and what he's done. Think about this. That Baylor program under our Bryles was burned to the ground. Yeah, they were like 1-9 and nine or They whatever. were 1-11 two years ago. And they're going they're going down the stretch with 9-1 and one that they went out there playing for a conference championship. Yeah. And here we are with Texas at the end of the decade, and it's just still kind of, eh, well, we don't really know. This is 110 games last going. year. Won the yeah. Sugar Bowl. True, yeah. but you know. it ain't uh, 
Texas is just, it's not, and uh, KD, Kevin Dunn brought this up, it's just not a straight line. Uh, the trajectory isn't where people want it. But the results if, if, aren't if, linear. If you had just switched this season and last season, then Longhorn fans would feel a lot better. That Basically, mm-hmm. that Georgia game is probably the yeah. worst thing that ever happened to Tom Herman now looking back. I, yeah. said, <laughs> I said that to some people yeah. uh, after the Monday press conference. I yeah. said, you know, how different would this year have been had you lost that Sugar Bowl? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it. That's why I'm not panicking like everybody. I was like, that Sugar Bowl just changed the – the expectation level for everything. I think I think you're at the point. This this Texas 2019 season kind of reminds me of Oklahoma in 2014. Go think about Oklahoma in 13, where that Oklahoma team won. They got their doors blown off by Texas in Max last OU game with Case McCoy dropping dimes mm-hmm. 40 yards down the field, and they end up playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and they beat Alabama. And the next year, Oklahoma's like preseason top five. Yeah. With Trevor Knight at quarterback. And it was like, ah, I, I remember don't that. Know. And they end up being like eight and five. Yeah. Clemson beat their brains in, like clubbing defenseless baby seals in their yeah. bowl game. And, but then, the what, what, thing but, but what did Bob Stoops do? Not only do you get Baker Mayfield, yeah. which, by the way, like the Oklahoma scout team that year was like Baker Mayfield throwing to Doriel Green Beckhams, which was, that was, that was stupid. Yeah. NFL um, talent. But what do you do? He brings in Lincoln Riley. He has a fire. Josh Heupel, his national championship winning quarterback, who was his offensive coordinator, yeah, it wasn't bad because he picked it up where he left off. Got mm-hmm. head coaching job. He got he got rid of Jay Norvell, who's a head coach now. Mm-hmm. Like he fired two really good coaches, mm-hmm. and but he brought in Lincoln Riley. Yep. So I just think Tom Herman's at that point where I don't know if our expectations expectations were a little too high. Like I told you, I, yeah. I told you guys where mine were, but it just hasn't gone according. But to that's plan. what Matt Rule he benefits right because expectations there weren't. Yeah. No, there none. There was zero. You're one. When you're one and eleven, everybody kind of understands cool what the deal is. Yeah. So what kills Tom Herman is that they're on the same timetable and they came from the same conference and they're in the same conference. And you can literally put the two timelines side by side. Oh yeah. And then you go, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom. One has a greater than <laughs> sign. Tom. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, you, what do you say when somebody says Matt Rule is by far a better coach? You go, Yeah. Yeah, you can't really that disagree with the results. <laughs> yeah, right now you go. Yeah, I can't. You know, we might have hired the wrong guy. That's you the go game. from yeah. one win to seven wins to nine. It's He's that upward coach. trajectory. But I love Mason Marrow too. So, yeah. uh, so Rod, when we talk about this Texas defense against the Baylor offense, Baylor offense is not really. A, it's not a dynamic offense. Uh, it's really it's centered, effective. It's really centered around Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it, it kind of reminds you. It's a to me. It's a it's a better version of like the 2017 Texas offense when we talked about what's the identity of your offense. Well, the identity of your offense is Sam Ellinger. If Sam Ellinger's not playing well, then you're not going to play well. It's true. And basically, that's kind of what Oklahoma did in that second half. They just basically decided Charlie Brewer's not going to run the football. Yeah, he like, was killing them in that first half yeah. mm-hmm. as a running threat. And then yeah, yeah. but Mims on the outside is a problem. Yes, he he's a he, he's a he's a freak man. So he's a problem too. I'm more, I'm more worried about the Baylor defense, strangely enough, more than I am the Baylor offense. Because that defense which, is good. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is crazy to say considering I know that, you know, the, the Texas defense has its own struggles. But right now they're trending in the right direction, and I think our offense is trending in the wrong direction. And as Matt will bring up, this is one of the, the biggest tests for the te- – the Texas offense will be it's being tested late in the season. I think the Texas defense had its tests early in the season. Mm-hmm. And now, you know I mean, the, the road is a little easier for Todd Orlando and the Texas defense. And they're healthy. Now, will change because Baylor does run more 10 personnel. They will spread, they you, spread out you out a little bit more but, than Iowa yeah, State did spread what K-State yeah. did. But that I, means Tarlando can run his his eight DBs out there. He'll love it. He'll be like, oh yeah, eight <laughs> DBs, baby. Yeah, Tarlando loves that kind of stuff. And one thing, speaking of eight DBs, one thing we haven't talked about that kind of got lost. I thought Demarvion Overshone played 
really well. It was the first time we've really seen him be yeah. that effective. But he's made for games against teams like Iowa State, yeah. right? He's a hybrid freak, so he's basically a linebacker. But he's he's the guy you want guarding Charlie Cola. Yeah, yeah. he's that. He's the guy you brought in for tight end freaks like that. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's why I think he fit in so well. So Rod, when you look and at Sean James and shout out, oh, <laughs> Bowling, yeah, DDI. we uh, impressive. So so when you look at this Baylor offense, uh, I, I you mentioned Denzel Mims. Uh, I, I kind of like their their skill guys on the outside. They do. They're lean and athletic and long. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like them too. Yeah, they're they're matchup problems for. Uh, and then they're running back. They're running back group. I don't. They're led by Jamichael Hasty. I don't think that group is great, but they're solid. They're good. They're just good on the line of scrimmage. They got a man. veteran that's, veteran offensive that's line. Bay, that's a where Baylor is good at. They're good yeah. on the D line. They're good on the O line, and that is a problem for Texas. Yeah, it's crazy Period. when you look at <laughs> Baylor because you know that they're such a physical team oh, and like man. to pound you. And like how we talked about how Charlie was tearing them up early, but then they quit running them. You look at just Baylor just didn't have the ball in the second half. It was totally absurd. Well, they run that like four plays in the third quarter. Or something I, wow. I know that then when you look overall, it was like sixteen plays for the entire second half to like 58 for Oklahoma. And wow. Oklahoma had the ball like for 25-plus minutes because you look here at Baylor, other than Charlie Brewer's 14 rushes, you had Hasty had three, and then Lovett, Fleeks, and Ebner each had one. Wow. Like they just totally kept the ball away from them, and it's sort of what Baylor's going to want to try to do to Texas too with the way that offensive lines perform so well with Baylor. You have a Ooh. QB that can – Extend, like, if you don't have a play, he's smart enough to be able to diagnose and have that functional mobility Man. to go. So it's an, it's a recipe that's going to be tough because they just may be able to keep your offense off the field, shorten this game, and then the way that their defensive line plays, it's going to be hard say, for you I to get it back. I don't know if they need to shorten the game. I don't know <laughs> if we can block their D-line. Yeah. No, I'm serious. No, I'm not I, joking. The numbers I don't are know. absurd. They're don't, top if 10. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to spread it out. Listen, they need to have a plan. A, B, is C, and D for pass protection. Because your first one may not work out. If you go 10 and spread them out four wides, you may not be able to block them. You need to have something ready to go to in case your first plan of protection isn't working for Sam if you want to throw it. Now, ideally, you'd like to run it. Yeah. But I don't know if you can run it. I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I know know you can throw it downfield on them, but can you protect Sam long enough to get the football downfield? These are the two things against one of the worst. You got one of the worst pass blocking offensive lines in the country, Mm -hmm. right? Worst in the Big 12, and you just showed versus Iowa State, you don't really have a dominant run game either. You got injuries on the O-line. Man, I'm I'm honestly I'm worried about this game. I'm I, I'm worried. I've I've been I've, been, worried, I've been worried about it since August. I'm yeah. worried. This is the one that I circled, and and I well, this I, before you knew Baylor was going to be good, and this yeah. was before <laughs> I knew Texas was going to have four losses at this point. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so no. you didn't know Baylor was going to be good, and you thought Texas would be better. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, because last week we're looking at My it, man. I was like, well, you know, I I like <sighs> Baylor more than Iowa State. I was thinking, oh, Texas man. may have the advantage up front. Texas O line has been able to push people around Iowa State. D-line not so good. Texas should be able to, and then they didn't. And then now you're facing Baylor, who is 14th in the nation. If you look at their D-line in line yards, if you look at standard down line yards, they're 7th in the nation. Now, Texas, we're top 11 in both of those, but we just got hit in the mouth by a team that was statistically much inferior to the one that we're seeing today in Baylor, and then mm. Baylor's sack rates are all in the top 30 across the country, and then even the opportunity rate, just being able to get people off the field, yeah. they, they're top 27, they're 16th in stuff rates, so in Texas's strengths, 
they're just as strong or stronger, and they're much better than the team that beat you on the line of scrimmage last week in Iowa State. So, like, that's where, like, last week I thought it could be a narrow Texas victory. This one probably lose to Baylor. Now I'm really worried that this one could get a little bit uglier if you don't – if you aren't able to get in and get some type of success in the first quarter or second quarter, then it could go bad. Offensive rhythm is key. Even Tom Herman talked about that versus, uh, you know, that I would say they couldn't get offensive rhythm. That's what I'm worried about in this game. How do they get into a rhythm early on? Because once Texas gets in a groove, that's when you'll get your 10-play, 15-play yep. drives because they do get in a groove. But when they don't have a groove, whew, Ron, it looks ugly. I'll, I'll boil it down to this. I think Texas wins or loses this game based on what that opening offensive script looks like. Oh, no! Please no, no, don't say I, that. I think it's that. I think it's that. That opening script versus Iowa State was trash. I know. I think it's. But go <laughs> it back. Trash. But they're go back. They're like, they're, they're, they're opening scripting is LSU is really good. That Iowa State. Uh, yeah, you're right. They've it had they've had times where the opening script has been really good. But I would say that's before film was out on them. True. Exactly. So I, I, I'm I'm leery of going back to that LSU game period because think about how there's only two it's games, so fresh. There's only one game of film True. out there on everybody. I got you. We've learned and that this staff since, isn't good with film exactly. Stuff. And we talk about self scouting. So since there's been more film on Texas. Mm-hmm. And Tom Herman's offense, they've regressed. Yep. All right. So I am a little. And the opponents have performed better when there's film yes. on the both sides. So I'm a little leery of the going back to the LSU game about stuff like that. The only good thing is, is Baylor has struggled at uh, power success rate D line. They're outside of the top 100. That's the only thing they really haven't been great at. Power success rate? Was that yeah. running like in between your top? No, that's just going to be third and fourth and short, basically. Okay. So we're talking about just having to get in two or one when it's under three. You realize Baylor's D line has almost as many sacks as Texas has as a team. That's impressive. They're starting D-line. Bravion Roy, wow. James Lockhart, James Lynch, 15 and a half sacks. Texas as a team has 17. That's what I'm saying. I, I, don't, I don't know if we can block them. What do you do when you can't block a team? So your screen game's got to be on, right? Got to have Texas does run. Well, wide receiver screen. So they run the quick passing game so you can get the ball out quick, but then everybody knows that you're going to run that. So you basically have to diversify your screen game. You need to study Shanahan. And study Andy Reid and diversify your screen game. Get some really elaborate screens. Uh, and man, you gotta you gotta pray Colin Johnson plays because you need to beat man coverage and beat it quickly. Yeah, I mean, you got to beat coverage quickly. I didn't feel good about him playing against Iowa State based on what I was hearing late in the week yeah. last week. And it does, he's Tom Herman's already saying he's doubtful at the beginning of the week. All so right, then he's not playing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't See, count on it. Then that is, that's not good because the well, other thing I was going to say is keep one of those tight ends in. It's basically just an inline blocker that always gives you a six-man to block. So you Not kind of max protect, if you will. But if you don't have wide receivers that can beat coverage, then you can't afford to be that outnumbered in the in, in the pass game. So. You, know, you know what I might Ooh. what I might do, Rod, as crazy as it sounds, to just to play with a bigger surface? I might take, like, Christian Jones or J.P. Urquidez or one of those guys and say, hey, you're moving to the tight end this week. Oh, I'm saying we don't I, need you running routes. You're just going to basically be an extra, an extra You can't blocker. afford to waste a number, a body, if you can't win on the outside. Then you're never going to yep. win on the outside without Colin Johnson. Now, if you got Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay, hell yeah, I can but do that's that. that's where we're at, but That's right? a that's negative numbers name. That's Instead of trying to get a numbers advantage, we're compartmentaling that's where we're ourselves at. and making it be like 10 versus 11. If you want to run the ball if you want to run the ball short yardage, that's not. I don't think that's a terrible idea. No, 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 no. I'm doing that. I'm talking I think, about it. I think, I think what really, I mean, really what you probably got to do is you probably try to go as much 10 personnel as you can and try to spread them out because really last week that was really the only thing that was working for you when no, you did that. spread Iowa State I would out. definitely spread them out. I would, yeah, no, no, that's the way to go. And well, by the way, way to go. When you, you talk about, when you talk about uh, Baylor's lines of scrimmage, you can credit two lifetime Longhorns for that. Frank O'Cam is the D-line coach. 
And Josh Cochran at this point is basically the assistant O-line coach. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. I, no I didn't know that. Yeah. And Give it's it so up. fitting for O'Kane to be at Baylor. Like, it's like a he it was going to be a doctor and they're like a medical schools type place. He's a good like, dude, too. Fits perfect. O'Kane's a good guy. Frank has been at Rice and Baylor in his <laughs> brief head coaching. Quite yeah, exactly. O'Cam of him. And if I honestly, I wouldn't doubt if he actually wasn't like went to school there at the time. and has like his masters now or something crazy. Yeah, like, like that. I, he's right. He's that kind of guy. I think he. I think he was a G. I think he GA at Rice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I wouldn't doubt if he. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. And I wouldn't he's be awesome. surprised if he's like going to school to be a doctor in his spare time. Like uh, literally, like while he's, coaching. He's also he's that probably, kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so we got to make predictions for this game. Uh, Matt, start with you. What you thinking? Oh, man, I'm thinking Texas Falls. I think it's probably going to be a mm. really well-fought and a good game. Like, that Iowa State game was a fun one to watch because you saw on both sides, like, there was some good play and flashes of good play, but it just wasn't consistent enough. And Baylor's just seems like a better version of Iowa State almost now. The skill sets of the skill guys are a little bit different, but – I just don't like seeing how good Baylor's been on the offense. I mean, when you already have those principles, you hear about Rule coming in and this is what this whole team's going to be founded on and what we're going to build this from the ground up. And he's literally done it and done it exactly how he said he Man. wanted to do it. That's quite impressive. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, say that they win a, a closer, lower-scoring game like 28-24. Matt, at this point in the week, are we still at five and a half? Is that uh, where we're six at? is what I'm six? seeing. Okay. Yeah, about 46% mm. of the market is on Texas, so it's yeah. about a 50-50 split. Okay. Uh, I will go. I'm, I'm picking Baylor, obviously. I just don't see a lot of advantage. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm checking boxes about who has the advantages, I think Texas may have a quarterback advantage. If Colin Johnson doesn't play, uh, you know, then the wide receiving advantage is is it shrinks a little. I, I think Devin Duvernay is that good. By the way, disrespected him by not being a bullet in the call. Yeah, mine's based on Colin being out, based on um, what Jeff said. Yeah, but other than that, I'm trying to see if Texas has an advantage anywhere other than quarterback and maybe wide receiver. Because coaching, I can't just say Texas has a coaching advantage. No, not at this point. Getting O line, D line, running back, nah. You know what I mean? So at least the defense is playing well. The defense is playing well, but I think Bay is a better football team and a better coach football team, and they have better lines of scrimmage. Even though we got Sam, it's not enough. As it has not been enough this year, Texas falls to Baylor 30, 30 to 24. Ellinger gets another Westlake West Lake Travis yeah. <clears throat> duo with go. Brewer. Yeah. The, uh, the only way I think it could work out for Texas is if, well, two reasons. If this team actually does play a relatively clean game, which also they yeah. haven't to this point. Uh, and two, if it's a situation, Rod, where <clears throat> Baylor just has one of those hangovers from, from the Oklahoma game where they're up, you know, 25 points and let mm-hmm. a lead slip away and maybe – that team doesn't handle it from a psychological standpoint. I, I, that's the realm I think you get into. But right now, in terms of personnel advantages, there's not one that big in Texas's favor to make me feel good, like you said. And schematically, I can't give the Texas staff the advantage based on offensively what Agreed. we saw last week. Agreed. So, I mean, I, I'll still take Texas to cover because we can pretty much guarantee that they're they're gonna fight, they're gonna scrap, they're gonna claw. Uh, the the talent will will make enough plays, I think, to keep you in the game. Mm-hmm. But I just, I'm I'm just gonna take Baylor. 
Yeah, Texas hasn't put it all together. Like you've gotten like seventy five percent of it together, but at some point that's this year, either the defense or the offense, or there's been a glaring special team. So it's like still waiting for the one to align, and we're almost out of games. And then you'll need to beat Tech on Black Friday at that point to finish seven and five. Rod, are you gonna bring the seven and five back song back? Oh, seven and five guy, that's oh, for man. old Shadow. You might have to. That's for Shadow, but that, we might have to bring amazing. it back. That's amazing. Oh man, seven and nine Bad guy. times. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, all right. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rob, you appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget to find this podcast. Search Horns 24-7 Podcast. <laughs> you get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. And thanks to Matt, you can get our classic interviews and shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.